You're listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Eaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me for episode 20 of Standing Before the Mass podcast. My guest for this episode is the harbor master for the city of Newport, Captain Tim Mills. I've known Tim for over 30 years. We overlapped as assistant harbor masters for the city of Newport for one summer in 1988. That was my first summer on the harbor and Tim's last as an assistant. From there, Tim moved on to other jobs on and around the water, which included working on a NOAA ship to owning and operating his own boat and mooring business. It was during the time he ran his business that he wound up getting involved in marine archaeology. Tim eventually returned to work for the city as the full-time harbor master. We talk about all of that as well as get some insight and his perspective on some of the changes that we've seen around Newport Harbor over the years. I met Tim straight after a busy day on the harbor, and I appreciate him taking the time to join me. I hope you enjoy. Thanks, Chris. You're the Newport Harbor master, but you've been on the water your whole life. Pretty much, yeah. How did you get your start? Sailing with my dad around Newport Harbor, yeah. Um, poof. I don't even remember what year it was. It was probably uh, mid-70s. I'm about 10 years old, maybe. What kind of boat did you have? He had an O'Day 22, believe it or not. Yep. Yep. Is that a pop top? No, that one wasn't. That 23 was a pop top, oh, okay. I think, and the 22 wasn't. Yeah. Fun boat. Yeah. So your early boating experiences were with your family? and then Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, early on was all, all family stuff. And then uh, during college, got introduced to the Shields racing fleet, raced with the Navy. Um, during college and then a friend in college had a Capri 25 and we raced out of East Greenwich and oh, right. um, did some sailing you know got you know the new people around Newport you get to meet and you know hey sure. can you meet me in Bermuda and sail back and that kind oh, of thing oh you did that yeah yeah a couple times um, now I have a friend with a, a big catamaran and uh, he's always going out to the Bahamas or somewhere fun but I don't get to go as much <laughs> oh well <laughs> yeah. when did you I met you in 1988 when I became an assistant harbor master you were already there for a while yeah I think I started in 84 83 or it was either the summer of 83 or summer of 84 I can't remember which one and did Mark Hastings hire you yeah. He, yeah, yeah, he did. He hired yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were fun days. Totally different. Yeah, totally different. My first year was his last. Ah, okay. Yeah, so he went off to sandwich. He went off after that. Yeah, yeah and then I continued on. Yeah, that was a interesting time with the Bay Queen coming in every night. And, right. And the That's and right. the Deco fleet hanging out at Paris Gondolas and. Yep. Oh, geez, it was it was. Just a different place. The harbor is really transformed. Yeah, I can remember like Dock Boy at Goat Island, you know, and we were working in 
filling boats up with fuel and mm-hmm. that boat Misty that's still around now. She, I think she just got a paint job this year. She looks really good. Was like the one of the biggest boats that came in and, you know, he'd come in and pay cash for fuel and you thought, wow, $5,000. He just paid $5,000 <laughs> in cash, you know. It's yeah. like, that was crazy. Now that's, that's a drop in the bucket. <laughs> yeah. And I think I was talking with Rudy. We've made this observation that back in the early days, if you saw an 85-foot Broward, it stood out. And now you'd be hard pressed to find one. True. One of my strongest memories was uh, like at four in the morning when you have to call the electric company to tell them that the cable was clear. The only sound on the harbor at 4 a.m. was those pumps over at Paris Gondolas. Yeah. Uh, the, the, to keep the true. tanks, uh, the lobster tanks fresh. Yeah. Um, yeah. After you left as an assistant harbor master, you had your own contracting business. Yeah. Mooring company. Yeah, I had a mooring, uh, island boat and mooring service. I bought it, bought it um, from, jeez. Uh, John Power. Yeah, John Power. Sorry, I blanked the name. That's John, right. John was great to me. Yeah. He was a, a great guy to learn things from and yeah. and uh, offered, you know, offered the business to me, which was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I'd just come back from, uh, I sailed with Noah for a little while. Oh, you did? Yeah. So that was a interesting sh- period of time on the on, on the Albatross Four out of Woods Hall. We do did fisheries research. Really? Uh, just before that, and I had to jump around a little bit before trying to find the niche, you know, mm-hmm. as everybody does. Yeah. What was your role on the Noah boat? Just a seaman, ordinary seaman. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's how I got hired, and then um, it was kind of a, one of those tumultuous times of life because I had just been married about a year or so, and I was, you know, I was looking to do something around the water, and this came up, and um, you know, we agreed that I'd try it, and came back to a broken marriage pretty <laughs> oh, much. No. That was, the, you know, all things work out for the best, you know. Uh, yeah, that happened to one of my UPS drivers. He got married and then joined the Navy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. it's tough if uh, you know it's a tough life for for uh, couples. You know if you right. if you're away a long time, and that that happened to be a, the rotation on the ship was you were out for two weeks, came home for a weekend, and you and you were gone for another two weeks. And if you had you had uh, watch that weekend, you didn't go home. So right, you, you know it could be a couple months before you got home. Which you know. If you're not, you didn't sign on for that in the beginning. It's yeah, it's tough. It's a little difficult. Yeah. Did when you had the the Fort Adams? Is that the name of the boat? The name of the yeah. Boat was when Adams, you were the, yeah. the the mooring business, did you also do underwater archaeology or work with a group? Yeah, we worked with um, another inherited customer from John Powers was uh, the Rhode Island Marine Archaeological Project mm. and Doctor Abbas and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get to have her keep me on. Um, it was a good time. It was a good time. I learned, learned a lot from Dr. Abbas. Really? Boy, she is uh, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that kind of, especially the Revolutionary War fleet around Newport and, and what was happening at that time and and putting everything into perspective as you get kind of yeah. isolated in that tunnel vision thing of looking for one thing. But but we would sit there and while the divers were investigating different sites, we'd sit there and have a chat about was like a the history whole course. It was awesome. It yeah. was it was really good. Now, is any of that tied to that little mapping project they're doing now? It was a yes. part of the same. Yeah. Well, 
I couldn't, shouldn't call it a little mapping project. No, it's it's been a huge project. It's right. a, a lifetime work for for Kathy Voss yeah. and Dr. Pawson. Yeah, w- when I was with Kathy, we were doing um, most of the, a lot of work on the Cerberus, which is up off of Portsmouth, and a few of the sites just north of the bridge, mm. Newport Bridge, and um, we just started doing some of the side scan sonar work to try to investigate where the where the fleet was, the blockade fleet was around mm, around Newport. Sorry, that's right. I forgot to I forgot to ship it. <laughs> Problem solved, my end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's those this, this happened when I interviewed Barbara Lloyd. <laughs> I'm sorry. So you're saying so you work in? Yeah, we worked mostly um, on different sites. Not we just started the side skin sonar work around um, the the fleet that was blockading Newport. So, right. and I don't think the it was just beginning. She was just getting some research done about wow this could possibly be the endeavor you know the the Mm. lord sandwich which was what it was called when it was in here in newport um and then sunk under the name of the lord sandwich and and she'll kill me if i'm doing this wrong but (laughs) from the best of my recollection i'll say and and if you need more clarification she's definitely the expert but that's what i believe that the boat was called the lord sandwich when it was here and um she traced it back through some of the British Admiralty uh, archives in London mm. to be that that was the uh, that was Captain Cook's endeavor. Oh wow! So um, yeah, it'll be a it'll be really interesting, and and I think the proof is in the pudding, right? Because the Australian National Maritime Museum is very interested in her work and and mm. what's going on. And, and wasn't there just a change recently? I don't know with with regard to who can dive on it wasn't there something they they were uh, opening it up i saw some something in the paper about it but i yeah i didn't uh, understand I it yeah i don't really fully i haven't talked to her since that happened mm. so i don't really know exactly what, what what's going, what's going on, on. It, i think it's a matter of putting some pieces back together and uh, well i can say with confidence according to my commercial fishermen customers that it's popular among the lobsters <laughs> they're, yeah they're nearby sure there oh yeah the rock piles i was lucky enough to um she let me dive on the Cerberus site um to see it because she had just about she had finished mapping it and um was just about through and, and said would you like to dive on the site just to go down and check it out mm. and uh it really is when you go to, you kind of st- sitting on the surface, you're thinking, oh, yeah, a big rock pile with a cannon, you know, right. <laughs> big deal. But you go down and actually see yeah. the rock pile of the ballast pile and, and, and an actual cannon sitting there. It's like, wow. Wow. It's like, wow, this is left over from, yeah. you know, the Revolutionary War. This more is exciting cool than stuff. Dig- yeah. diving on a mooring. <laughs> Way more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't see the lobsters around the moorings like you used to either. <laughs> really? Yeah. They must have moved all to the ballast pile. <laughs> they found their new ground. Yeah. Now, when you got your captain's license, you got it the old fashioned way, right? Documented your time. Uh, yeah. 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 That was back Yeah, that a while ago, the 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Because I know now you can take a course and it's it's a lot different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had to be involved with that too much, although it's a nice business 
now being run out of Newport. Right. Yeah. It uh, does just that. And it's uh, I, th I think they're doing very well and they've helped us a lot. And really? I think they're helping everybody, especially the practical stuff. You see them out there. Yeah. Confident captain out yep. there all the time. Too, yeah, right? I interviewed him. Yeah. And they, they, it's it's a good service. It really is a positive thing for people because it used to be, you know, we the joke the old joke was more 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 dollars than cents, right? Right. Well, now people can at least take a course and learn not only the the book part of it, but also the practical side of it and getting out there. So. Right. Now, when Mark Hastings left, did you apply for the job? I did. You did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So yeah, eighty-eight, and yeah, it was an eighty-eight. Yeah, or eighty-nine. Obviously, obviously, didn't get it. Um, right. Uh, that, that's all works out for the best. Mm. You know, it was I was probably too green for that at that point, and yeah, maybe a little, a little too young to. And you know, it's all about you know being the right place at the right time. I think you know, and that yeah. wasn't the right time for me. You know. What sort of folks have mentored you along the way? <laughs> That's a leading <laughs> yeah, that's question. That's a really good question. Yeah, but a, but a good question. Yeah, I think uh, Bill Musil and, and Rudy Borghetto are probably the, the biggest mentors for the job. I you know, definitely wouldn't be here without them. Hmm. You know, um, yeah, it kind of makes me feel bad now that, talking about Bill because he was such a good guy. Hmm. And, you know, his, his uh, approach to things was uh, – very uh, unexpected for for a guy with that kind of knowledge. You mm. know? I mean, he was really good to me. He would always it was really clear in the, in the first few years what he was doing. It's clear now to me now. At mm -hmm. that time, I was like, "Wow, this guy is just great. He knows how to he knows how to deal with people." And um, he would say, he would, "If he knew something was amiss or wasn't quite right, he'd, he'd come in and go." Timmy, uh, I think we. I need to talk to you about something. You know, he kind of hemming a horn a little bit, and, and he, I'd say, okay, what, what's up, Bill? And he would explain the situation, and you know, being new, it's like I don't know all the politics of what's going on, but he's been around since forever. So I'd always say, well, Bill, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, Timmy, he goes, there's two ways I think we can do this. <laughs> And he'd say, I think we ought to, you know, this this is the way we ought to do it. And we'd usually run with that unless I thought that mm. unless I saw something that was going to be uh, a negative for us in the long run. We usually went with his, his right. gut. And so he was a real tremendous asset to have <sighs> once you took the head roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the early years without he and Rudy, you know, and Rudy running the night shift mm. and just uh, his dedication to the to the place. No way I could have done it. No yeah. Way. And today, I think the same way you need when it transitions, when when it's finally my turn to go and do Bill's job or something else. Right. That person's going to need it's the person's going to need some guidance. You yeah. know, along the way, it's it's changed a lot, but some things haven't changed, you know. And then I think to take somebody green and without knowing what's going on, at least in some way, shape, or form, is going to be really uh, set you back a little bit. You know, we've yeah. come a long way since those days. Yeah, it was just the shack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah. Rudy right. was a real mentor for me because I was a night guy and he was the night guy. Yep. And... I just remember, you know, being green in terms of, you know, I was 18 or 19 years old, interacting with the public. And I remember one particular incident where 
I asked some folks to move because they were anchored in the wrong place. And I was very polite and they just sort of <laughs> blew me off. So I came back and I said to Rudy, oh, I don't know. These guys are kind of scary, you know, and they were like army rangers or something or, or green berets. That's what it was. Green berets. So Rudy just said, get in the boat. So I got we got in the boat and we went out and the guy pushed, started to push and he mentioned that he was a Green Beret, and Rudy, who we all know is a Marine, just looked at him and said, can you sing? <laughs> and that kind of, and then they all laughed. <laughs> that's a typical Rudy response. Yeah. Uh, he had to all the, but I, the lines. I became, it, it became clear to me over the years <laughs> that yeah. he, he w we would often have a tense situation. And I said, you know what? In a few minutes, everyone's going to be having a laugh over this. And sure enough, yeah. he had an ability to diffuse situations. Oh, many times, many times. I always marveled at how Rudy could chew somebody out, right, you know, just rip them up and down about how poorly or badly they did something or how wrong they were. And uh, 10 minutes later, they were best friends. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that happens. He's a, he's a excellent at that. Unbelievable at it. What's the funniest thing you've ever witnessed on the harbor? <laughs> or there are too many to list. Ooh, geez, funniest. I don't, you know, Chris, I think about stuff like that all the time. Like, you know, I should write a book about some of the things sure. that go on. And, um, it's like, do you, do you talk about the funny haha -ha or the funny, <laughs> oh my God, that's it's funny now that nobody got hurt, but. Right. I, yeah, you know. I suppose it could go either. There are funny things and scary things. Yeah. Uh, but funny haha, jeez. -ha, I, I don't know. I can't even think of anything right at the moment. Just right. it, it, Every day you kind of run into something that just kind of cracks you up. But. One of the things that I noticed over the years is that. You've been the, – the fleet upgrades have been very consistent. Yeah. And yeah. Um, um, as opposed to a hodgepodge patchwork of boats, you've been very consistent with the, the brand. How, how smoothly has that been? It's been pretty good. I mean, um, as you know, when, when, I, when I first came on, we had, you know, engines that didn't really run very well and, and uh, not very uh, – easy to maintain things and it was hard to get money and then um i think it was about two years in um the city decided that uh they would change the harbor from from just a regular department under recreation to its own um enterprise fund mm -hmm. and i think that was probably the catalyst which led to being able to put money specifically aside for equipment and 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 staffing and and mm. building you know those types of things and it it was easily to, it was easy to see because the enterprise fund created this rev, these revenue accounts and, right and where we got the revenue then that was what we spent and it's all very transparent it's, it, it is it's really easy to see what mm. where your revenue is and um and then Okay, well then, yeah. If you plan, you you do the planning and, mm. and request right. They, and the city council has been awesome to me as far as that goes. They've been very supportive of right. of that whole transition from you know us kind of you know buying our own life jacket right. and, and you know that kind of thing to to you know we got borrowing things Sail from Newport. the yacht club. Well, like yeah. for instance, during those early years, Sail Newport was great to us as far as they put us on um, as a benefactor for the sale for Hope. Oh really? 
So oh, um, people could, if they, they, you know, they didn't have to pay to be part of that regatta, but the ones that did and chose to could put their, uh, their initiation fee, whatever you want to call it, the, mm. the fee to be part of the regatta towards any, or they, I think Sail Newport picked three any given year. Mm-hmm. And one, and actually, for a couple of years, they they used us, our gift account, to do that. So that's kind of where all our life, our, our new life jackets came from. Oh, okay. Uh, the different things like that. So, it, and it was when when we agreed to do that, we said that the the account would only be used for safety equipment. Ah, okay. So if we needed sure. life rings, or we needed yeah. life jackets, or um, whatever it might be, it's first aid kits, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. That's all came from. Sound Newport. Well, yeah, and the people that decided that to participate were, in those regardless. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that's changed since I left was cruise ships. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and in that's fact, right. it, it was there when I the last few years I was there, and but I never got involved. And how much that takes up a lot of staff. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> it's a it's about a third of what I do mm. between. Um, the scheduling, and then and then when they get here, the the uh, security staff to to check IDs on the way back, and then perform all the security duties that are required by the Coast Guard. So, because it's essentially a TSA checkpoint, right? It is. Yeah. It's covered under the Marine Transportation Safety Act, um, and we're required all the security measures that you see we're required to do through the Coast Guard. Mm. So, yeah, there's there's that, and, the, and then the scheduling. So. So we receive, you know, requests like right now. I'm getting requests for uh, as far out as 2024. Mm. Uh, I think I have one for 2025. So we're there's a lot of planning. You know, there could be changes, and, and the schedule at that um, in that given year is real small right now. Right. So as it gets closer and closer, more more inquiries or requests come in for for the port call visit, and, and we just put them in the schedule, and then. And the city collects the money for the landing fee. Yeah, the city now gets six dollars a head for that, for per every passenger on board. It's three dollars on, three dollars off type of thing. And you know, and that's where they drop up. the hook. What, um, how many people are coming ashore? Or uh, we have an estimate. Mm. Yeah, it could change one or two. You know, four if people miss planes or something, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. But it's yeah, it's real close. So. Yeah. And we and we know when we schedule the ship what the capacity is. Yeah. So for budgetary purposes, you can kind of plan any like two years, three years out. You think, okay, your schedule looks like this. This is the maximum amount of passengers that could. You need budget around based on a figure a little less than the maximum, obviously, because right. You don't want to budget for all that and get caught with a three or four storms that come by and then you've lost five ships and oh right you know, yeah so they'll just peel off yeah, yeah they'll just they just won't come you know stay out to sea or go somewhere else. I have two funny well not so funny because they both involved sort of a disaster. My two cruise ship memories are when the big red boat two oh. plucked the cable and I was on duty that evening. <laughs> And then the other one was when um, the QE2 uh, found a rock. Yeah. And with the with the big red boat, which was, I think, a Disney cruise ship of some description. I, I think so, yeah. And I was out on the harbor, and all of a sudden, all the lights went out on, in the city. And, and in Jamestown, I thought, oh, that's odd. And then I think I had a cell phone at the time, and it rang, and it was, it was my boss at the time, Jake. And I said, hey. 
yeah, it looks like they're having trouble getting their anchor up. And then I quickly put two and two together. <laughs> and uh, so I was on duty for that. But my other memory was uh, they were bringing passengers off the QE2. And George was still at Goat Island Marina. And he put on his finest white Navy shirt <laughs> and he was welcoming people. And these were like upper class passengers that were getting into limos that were being brought in. And, you know, he, Georgie was doing his best to welcome people to the city of Newport and they were just inconvenienced. Yeah. And I, that was my only two real interactions with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, ooh, that big red boat. one. Hey, I wasn't around. I mean, I, I had been off for that particular year. I wasn't there. Well, I knew something was amiss when there were sparks from a torch coming out of the anchor well. So at that point, they had already decided to cut the cable, uh, to cut their anchor cable, not the the electrical cable. Yeah, um, Yeah, we've had some good ones like that. We've had, uh, I've got a couple of good pictures of us working under one of the anchors on, uh, I think it was one of the Norwegian ships that picked up some old cable going from Goat Goat Island out to Rose Island. So through that anchorage, Mm. there's abandoned cable and they picked up something they couldn't pull the anchor all the way up but not active not no 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 not not live cable no thank god for that yeah we've had some interesting cruise ship here the the queen mary is always beautiful to see in the harbor right she'll be back soon she's in july i guess um and uh just see just the amount of it how it picks up you know any given year yeah have you ever had any conflicts where you've got at least two cruise ships and then another major event in the harbor and that corner in by the, the yacht club in your office where they need to all get in. Oh yeah. There's all kinds of stuff. So here's a funny thing. You, you asked about funny. So I'll, re- I'll give you a good one. So the queen Mary was coming in on one of her visits and uh, I believe might've been actually the night of uh, the 4th of July because it w- they were coming in the evening and we got a call about a boat that hit Breton Reef. Now, the Queen Mary's coming in. We're expecting her. And so that's on the way in. Now, she was probably out at Breton Tower at this point. But we get the call that this guy, there's somebody injured that got, ran up on the reef on a sailboat. So we go out there. And um, sure enough, the guy had a big laceration on his head. And uh, the wife was not really that good at operating the vessel. Mm-hmm. So... So we were... Uh, was it a sailboat? Yeah, a sailboat. Yeah. So we're, uh, they had gotten off the reef. They hit the reef, bounced off, and then started coming in. So they're out by Castle Hill, and we go out there. And luckily, we had one of our staff people who was uh, EMT at the time. So we were going to put her on the, on the mm. boat to just check the guy out. And we came up alongside the boat and... Well, okay, go. You know, well, of course, you're always a half a second late, yeah. right? So I'm holding on to the to the sailboat, trying to push Jen up onto the other boat, and we did that as just as the wave comes apart. So right. she got on the boat, but I couldn't decide to hold on which boat to hold on to, and I went off right in the middle, like right. In the middle of the channel, I, I go overboard. Oh. So, you know, obviously, you know, had to come back, get me, but um, and here comes the Queen Mary. So it's like. Oh, and you're in the water. Oh, I'm in the yeah. water going. And, of course, the life jacket inflates and of you course. feel like the marshmallow man there. But it was, oh, God, you know, 
It was funny. It's funny now. Well, that answers one of my emergency <laughs> questions, which is if you've ever fallen overboard. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been overboard. Yeah. And two people, I, well, one, when I spoke with uh, Kim Hapgood, she went over to fetch a ring that had gone overboard in a proposal that had had some difficulties. And it, what she said was it was she was surprised at how quickly the boat got away from her. Of course, they were sailing, you yeah, know, and yeah, it, right. it was it was a little alarming. And I think when I spoke with Anna Vanderwall, he was doing photography, but it was the same idea. The boat goes away. You're it was it's surprising, even a, a slow moving sailboat. Oh, yeah. And it makes you think twice about you know, being attached oh, yeah. to the vessel. Definitely. Those lanyards are everything. Mm. I mean, we've had a couple of the, the people that get bounced out of the, the inflatables and not having a lanyard on and the inflatable starts circling. Yeah. You know, doing the death spiral around them. But. Now, over the years, there have been a lot of different marine businesses that have come and gone in the, on the harbor. And one of the things I, I talked to some other people about was someone always comes along and tries to do some on-the-water facilitating type service, you know, selling you something. And, and it worked. it's worked in other harbors, like maybe Cuddyhunk, because there's not much else to do but in, when people come to Newport they just want to go to land but the one that the only one that I ever remember working was the because they were backed by the Clark Cookhouse or the was the raw bar uh, on the water but I, I remember briefly somebody tried to run like sell soda and chips or something you know like that and wasn't there a news story where someone advertised that they were going to have like a strip club or something on a boat and they used Old Port's P.O. Box. <laughs> it, yeah, that's going around. I, I That was years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, there was talk of it and it was a little bit of an inve investigation about it, but it never really, it was never really. The people didn't want to really they, show their flag, did no, they? No, they, it, 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 I think they weren't expecting it to get out like it did. I mean, that kind of spread like wildfire when it, yeah. when it got out. And then there was so much interest in it that I think they couldn't be as discreet as they had hoped to be. Well, no, the media loves something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I apologize for these creaking chairs. Oh. I thought it added a little character, but my wife said it sounds more like there's a pirate ship approaching. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Um, I was just reading about, there's something coming up. I don't know if you're involved. It's called Radio Ready. It's on the 29th of June. Right. And on, on, it takes place on VHF Channel 06, and it's in cooperation with the fire department. Yeah, the emergency management um, group for the new for the city is uh, mm. is 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 actually organizing it, but um, yeah. no, we're not too involved. You're not involved, yeah, not really. No, I thought, oh, I'll go out if I'll probably be at work, but I'll go out and, and I'll participate. And then I thought, after a glass of wine, wait a minute, if there's a situation that requires that, I'm not going to be on my boat. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to yeah. be near my VHF radio. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that. The VHF is, is is the choice, but I guess it's because they're so handy and everybody, a lot of people have them, especially in a boating community. And even if you have it at home, yeah, oh, that's might true. be the way to might be the way to communicate. However, I think the limitations with, as we know, with the handhelds are right, and everything's line of sight with VHF, and it and mm. the power of a little handheld doesn't really. You might be able to hear, but you might you really probably can't transmit more than a few blocks. The bulk of the article I read seemed to be focused on those little FRS radios. And that's what, you know, so, but it introduces the same problems that you mentioned, which is you're in your house, you know, yeah. but I guess it's, 
they're trying to substitute what happens when a cell grid goes down. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I made it without gas last winter. I think I'll be all right. Yeah, I know. Among, we talked about a lot of the changes in the harbor, it's the trash skimmers, because I watched those guys and I, hats off to Dave for getting all these kids to volunteer and do it and itemize all the things that come out of the skimmer. Because I look back and I think Mr. Musil used to send me out there with a rake and I never itemized anything. Uh, <laughs> you no. know? Yeah, definitely uh, hats off to um, Clean Ocean Access and Dave because uh, they've and the really stepped is up. really clean. It does help. And as you know, you know, you're a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people walk through that corner, mm. you know, whether they're parking over at the, the visitor's center or, you know, whatever it might be going to, let's just take the uh, festivals, for example, mm. you know, the, most people are parking in town or, or at the visitor center in one of those parking lots and they walk over to get a shuttle. Mm. And that's the first thing everybody does is look in the water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, I was surprised that it comes picked up that. as much, given that it's placed inboard or on the leeward side of the, the dock. And I thought as things would blow into that corner as they used to, styrofoam cups and things like that, they'd get trapped. But somehow they do make it under and around and, and yeah. up into the skimmer. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. A lot of stuff's coming out of that pipe too. So Oh, of course. That, uh, oh, so it's catching it. You're right. Coming the other way as well. Coming so. from storm drains. I think the number one thing is a uh, fireball um the little, oh, little nip, bottles. Shot, nip bottles of Fireball. Yeah. I don't know how many of those I picked out of that skimmer, but that's got the nip bottles are huge. I mean, right. There's so many nip bottles in there. It's like, wow, what is going on here? And where are they but getting it's pretty them? obvious. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, we know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> what other partnerships do you have? You work closely with the Coast Guard, DEM, Newport Police? Yeah, and Customs. And Customs. Customs right. Yeah, real big partners. Um, yeah, and everything's, they, you know, all those guys are very helpful. We couldn't be effective without without the partners, especially the Coast Guard. Right. Uh, being so close to Castle Hill is really a, a nice thing for Newport. Yeah. In it, in it when we need help. They're not far away. Oh, that's probably my wife. She wants to know if I want to meet her at Gulfstream afterwards. She's doing the Rail Explorers tonight. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've done it like three times. No, I'm going to go home and feed the dogs. <laughs> um, in addition to all the waterfront stuff, the cruise ships, your, your department is also responsible for overseeing the dinghy racks or the driftways where people store their dinghies and the dinghy docks. Yeah. And how do you break that down? Do you, is that the on-the-water staff that handles that? Uh, it's a mix. Yeah. It's a mix. So um, – with the reorganizations and, and things, um, when Jane Howington was here, she uh, got me an assistant, a full-time assistant. So the department is not just me as a full-time person anymore. I've right. Got, I've got Sarah Mariani as my um, basically right arm or more. Right. Really. I mean, yeah, she's got a lot to do. And part of her job is um, organizing the whole thing and, and the sticker program and mm. keeping, keeping track of all that and data entry for so that we you know if you, if george is down on the driftways checking stickers he knows every monday morning yeah, yeah. every monday morning yeah he's down there um yeah it's 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 a group effort yeah um it's not just the guys on the boats checking stickers it's it's kind of everybody from 
you know, from getting the sticker and making sure you're allowed to get a sticker right. legitimately and then um, following up with who they are and then, you know, are they in the right place or are they, you know, in the right rack? Yeah. And, and George is very generous with people because I, I keep my dinghy at Battery Park and I'll notice he'll leave a, a love letter for somebody on the, and then a week later it's another one, second warning, you know, it's like, come on, who are you? Yeah. Which makes sense because a lot of people don't go down every week. That's right. And, you know, I, I, I like to think that we're more, we try to educate more than find people. Right. I don't want to, it's not yeah. my MO is not to. Write tickets and yeah. nah, that's that doesn't do you any good. Yeah, you know, it's it goes back and and you know this as as well as anybody. It, you are on the water, right? So you're not. It's not like you're parking a car mm. and you can write them a ticket and you're never going to see that person again. Right. These are all community members who you know. I may need their help someday. You mm. know what I mean. So I don't want to be that. Right. You you want to educate, and most people respond to education more than they do in, enforcement anyway. So right. It, yeah, if somebody gets an extra week or two for yeah you know, their dinging not being, you know, we we get them eventually to comply, and it's it's just what it is. You just yeah, I'm not yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are people that need to have that mm. in, enforcement position taken with but uh, most people don't yeah i noticed one of the, the where i keep my boat at battery park for at least a year they'd removed that guardrail and everybody the people i spoke with down there were like this is fantastic they could get their dinghies and kayaks in and out and yeah. rather than having to hump it over that giant timber and uh, alas the timber's been replaced <laughs> because they finished the work down there yeah i know change yeah <laughs> Or upgrades, I should say. The Anchorage today is much different than I remember it. Um, oh, yeah. It, no doubt. It, it, when, I, when Rudy took me out there, it was sort of the Wild West. You had liverboards that could stay all summer, or did. Um, storms would come in, boats would drag anchor. It would be just a complete cluster. And, it, well, I'm not out there, so I don't know. But nowadays, it just seems kind of quiet. It's not like, not like it used to be. Really? No, it's, it's, um, I attribute a lot of it to, uh, to the ordinance change in 2014, which, um. Was that the two week rule? Yeah. The two week rule. And, uh, so the two week rule basically says you can come in the anchorage, you can stay for 14 days and then you have to leave for four. Now, it doesn't mean we're throwing you out of Newport. It just means you have to leave the anchorage for four days. Mm -hmm. So you can go to a dock mooring, go to Jamestown. And we do have people that, you know, are inhabiting the anchorage for the 14 days, leaving for four and coming right back. But what that does is it opens up the anchorage for more more visitors and guests to come in. So it's not cluttered with people who right. are not using their boats or just abandoning boats in the anchorage. Mm. Um, I think it's, I think it's been a, a, a pretty good success. And mm. it, it, a lot of that is attributed to, you know, Steve, who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting down there, logging everybody in, mm. giving them information when they come in, or at least, you know, you can get them, you don't want to be bombarding them with, oh, you can only stay for two weeks on the first day they get there. Right. But, you know, you get to know people. It also... Yeah, let them take a shower first. Yeah, yeah. You know, about a week in or maybe four or five days, Steve will go down and, and actually make contact with them. And yeah. Unless before, unless they've asked us before or, or called us over or whatever. But 
but um, and we give them the rules of the anchorage and tell them what they can do and how to how to do it. And, mm. And it's been pretty well accepted. There was a early on when we first instituted it, there was uh, some people that weren't real happy with it. Mm. Um, I think for the most part, even though, even some of those people, not all of them, but a couple a couple of them said, you know what, it actually works out better mm. for us that uh, it's like that. Yeah, I hadn't really paid attention to it when it was going on. I, you'd hear a few people come in and gripe about it. But the most intelligent conversation I had with someone about it was with John Herschler and it was a, a sight sailing. It was an angle I hadn't even considered. He had a, um, at least one captain, maybe two that would live aboard and that was their thing. And now they really couldn't do it. They couldn't plan for it. So, you know, he lost, but I think he, he found the captain somewhere else. So, uh, you know, so I guess that, that was one aspect, but then on the other hand, it's not fair for a guy like me who waited 11 years for a mooring and in the meantime rented one or some of the, I know some customers who are renting moorings from the city for thousands of dollars to, you know, if, if they weren't doing that, well, they would just go and anchor, you know? And so it's, it's, you have to have that balance, I suppose. Yeah. 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 The anchorage, um, it has come a long way and we don't get, we still get a few calls about boats dragging, but it's nothing like it used to be. And now that the, there's also a requirement now that you have to be on your boat between the hours of midnight and 8 a.m. Mm. Oh, that's crucial. So you have to be manned. Yeah. Know? And it only makes sense, right? I mean, you don't, and you post an anchor watch wherever you go. Right. You don't, you don't just leave your boat. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, you can go ashore, but that's not really, you need to tend to it. And you're an anchor, you know, I mean, it's, it's an act of navigation and yeah. the rules apply, right? I got a chuckle <laughs> about when they were revisiting all those mooring changes, the ordinance changes. And there was, they were talking about, I think, was it 16 years of age? Yeah. It was a minimum age put in. And it was one thing to attend the meetings where the citizens got to question the Waterfront Commission. But then I'm listening to the city council ask questions about age. And then they kept calling you up to explain common sense, <laughs> why things, you know, you wanted, you want somebody that's able to handle the vessel, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. you know, the state recognizes 16 years old as, um, the age where you can operate a vessel, you know, safely with your, with, license, with your card, right, you know, with, with, your, card. with your boating safety card. So I think for the city, just 16 was the age to kind of goes along with what the state recognizes as well. Right. I mean, and, and it's you consistent. Know, at 16, you know, most 16 year olds, you know, well, look at the, the, the girl from England she was only 15 or 16. She sailed around the world. I mean, she was oh, yeah. well squared away, but you know, the average, 16 year old if he's he or she's been on the boat for a while mm. can handle a boat right much younger than that you got to kind of yeah you you don't necessarily have all that much faith that they've paid attention all the way around for everything but now the maritime center that's another division of yeah. their office yeah. um and that's a real asset uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've put a book in the in the basement there for um, just to give comments. You know, like comments and criticisms. Oh, right? like a guest log. Yeah, yeah. A guest log. You know, and, and we do want to hear the criticisms, which we have heard, and it's taken a while. And it, every year, I think it takes a little while to get things squared away down there because it sits all winter. But uh, it's 
well received. Yeah, board. I was going to say, it's, what kind of criticism would you get? It just seems well, like it's, a, it's all internal stuff. Like oh. our, it's, and it's you know, I'll, I'll take the hit for this. The biggest criticism we had is the hot water. You know, we've been trying to get the hot water down there for the showers. Oh. I mean, who wants to take a cold shower? Right. Nobody. Uh, you get off a cold, damp boat, and all you yeah. want is a hot shower. And um, we've had we've struggled with the the hot water system down there, mm. trying to get it. You know equal to or on par with what you'd get in a hotel. You know, you, right. you, you turn the shower on, you get hot water, right? Yeah. It shouldn't take that long. Well, it, because of the the runs and... Is it an on the way it was constructed. Yeah. We've had to go through a few, you know, upgrades to the original system. Because, of course, you go... When you, when you go low bid with anything, you get... Oh, right. Kind of... Yeah. The lowest... Well, the cheapest thing you can possibly get, you know, and... Some of the things were overlooked that probably shouldn't have been, that, yeah. Um, especially for that kind of service, you know, you're trying to provide that service. So, finally, I think this year we've got everything worked out where mm. the hot water's hot now, right? And it comes on immediately, and I think people are pretty happy, happy about, about it. it. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't blame them for being upset. But it's just one of those things when. And how does the. Um I didn't know I was going to be running the... What? <laughs> I never knew when I first started I'd be running... Oh, really? That? The maritime. Yeah. Um, well, it's a... It's a yeah, it's a whole... It's public thing. restrooms and it's more, you know? I mean, it's a full, you know, full facility for, yeah. for the boating public. So, it, you know, it just didn't... I remember we walked, didn't think we walked down there. I guess it was sort of a ribbon cutting for the opening day. We were out walking the dogs anyway, and then I remembered it. So we, we walked down, and uh, I remember it was nerve-wracking for me. Because I have, I had, he, he passed away, but I had a dog named Walter. And Walter was a great dog, but if a big man or a tall person bent down quickly, he'd have at it. But if you were, if you approached him slowly, so I, I forgot who I was talking with. The next thing I look over, Sarah's holding Walter on the lead and who bends down quickly and goes at him, but Senator Whitehouse. And I thought... Please don't bite him. <laughs> I can't afford this. <laughs> but nothing happened, and uh, yeah. we lived. But that, I remember that. Now, how does the um, how does the the pier tie into that? Is that separate? Well, they're tied into because they're they're in the same location. Um, but the pier is separate from the maritime center. They're they're separate pieces of property right. basically. So the, as you know, the upstairs of the of the armory is now sold be... sold to the uh, so it's two condos now. Right. Um, one is ours in the basement and the and the street level and, and upstairs is now the sailing hall of fame. But there's so, the um the Ant Street Pier is still the city's property. Yes. Yeah, and it's the city. It, so it was someone coming in to take a now hot shower, they can dock there. Yes, they can. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The dinghy docks are free there. Um, there is short-term tie-up there as well right now, um, and that there is a charge for that. It's fifty cents a foot per hour. Yeah. For the uh, for the tie-up, and then the shuttles land there, and the Jamestown ferry lands there. When will the museum start moving in? I believe the I don't I don't I'm not sure about that but mm. I believe every the lease ends after September of this year mm -hmm. and then I guess they'll start uh, renovating upstairs and doing what they need Will to they do. have use of the dock or that they'd have to rent it if they have an event or something Everything I read about the condo documents has nothing to do with Oh the it's dock. completely nothing separate right 
Now, whether they come later on and ask for, you know, to rent space there, that'll be determined by the city council, whether they're going to allow whatever kind of use of the pier there. But we're hoping to do the extension still. Right. I mean, that, oh, that's, that's still on the cards. It's mm. still there. Uh, we have a grant for some for some mm. of it to, to do the extension, but uh, it's being still in litigation at this point. Yeah, I, I was when I was briefly, very shortly on the Waterfront Commission before my mom got ill, I remember some there was a proposal a guy wanted who owned a condo unit in the building next to it wanted to run his own pier out and that went nowhere fast uh, well i don't remember because i it's still yeah i'm not an attorney so i yeah. can't speak to what's going to happen or what the people are all clamoring for that little bit of space there right yeah. so you know the boundary the little what you consider littoral rights out into the harbor mm. Um, that boundary hasn't been determined, and that's pr that's par that's part cool. of the reason why um, it's being held up a little bit. We did get the CRMC assent to go move forward with. So the harbor line out there isn't really is no harbor line anymore. That that kind of was done away with years ago. Mm. However, the city does have a boundary out there. You know, a city claimed boundary that you won't exceed past the right. distance but we were otherwise we you won't have a navigable out. channel correct yeah exactly yeah so yeah we have been approved for for that by crmc however the appeal did they did appeal and it was kind of okay hold on we have to you have to determine the, the the boundaries going out into the harbor first right so the, the that property line that extension from from land out right is what's in dispute oh okay but so if they if they did that then would that be sort of like parati park where you can take on boats more boats to dock yeah so yeah. what we applied for in the grant was um a a boating facility a transient boating facility not a marina hmm. so we're, we're not looking to have people come and park there and use it as a marina. We're looking for visiting boaters to come with no cars. Right. Be able to come in and stay. I think the requirement to, to maintain the transient facility is three days. Mm. So you can stay for a maximum of three days and, and then you have to out. go. You yeah. have to go. Yeah. So that's what was applied for and that's what we would hope to do. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what it's like in, in Oak Bluffs in Massachusetts and in, in the vineyard because they've got all along that waterfront right. and the people med more they stern in and I've, I've gone there again walking my dogs early in the morning and it's empty and then by the afternoon it's filled up and then by sunday evening they're all back to falmouth or wherever they came from and it, yeah. it seems to they have the turnover and they've you know it really works out well yeah i think the demand will be there um, I'm positive that just by what's going on at Parati Park and yeah. and the people that ask that question, how long can I stay? Can I stay overnight? Right. No, you, you know you can't. We don't have that. Be, again, because of the grant requirements for Parati Park, there's no overnight dockage there. So, excuse me. Okay. It would be similar to to that. I mean, but yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get at is those people that are vis now visiting Parati Park to stay for a couple hours yeah. are really, wow, this would be nice to stay. To spend the night. Yeah. 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 Especially if the weather starts to turn or, mm. you know. Or Do you still have people uh, coming in and going to the wrong place in Parati Park? Or are they, is it pretty well known now that where the temporary tie-up is? You always get a few. Yeah. Yeah, you always get a few that... Um, either haven't been here before or, or don't care about what the rules are but oh, right 
Um, but most of, most people have it's it's gone by word of mouth like wildfire. I mean, oh, that's good. Yeah, fills up fills up pretty quickly on a Saturday afternoon and mm. uh, it's Sundays, Mondays as well. It's it's pretty good. Now, with all your years on the water, does anything surprise you anymore? Oh yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, well, I suppose the Oliver Hazard Perry would be one. Uh, yeah. That was a surprise to me. Yeah, that you mean the fact that it's well when when they, they sort of backed out and then didn't. Yeah, yeah, every everybody makes that that's a classic example of uh of the dominoes falling and in, in just mm. not being able to stop it. So from my understanding of what happened there was mm. it was a relief captain. Yeah. With a skeleton crew. And and the idea that they had to go, it's like got to get home syndrome. Got their itis, just like flying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you get this. I got to get home syndrome. You got to get there. Mm. And uh, you know they wanted to get the boat back over to over to the fort. The weather wasn't perfect. No. And they had you know they were short a crew and a new captain. Mm. And they they'd never really worked together, from what I understand. Now I could yeah. probably somebody can correct me, but that's what how I understood it. And things just went wrong, you know. Yeah. And it was bad, but luckily nobody got hurt, right? Right, yeah, nobody. Um, um, well, we lost two cruise ships out of the deal. But. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they couldn't get in. <laughs> Other than that, it was, you know, nobody really got hurt. A few boats got dinged up. But What's the strangest name you've ever seen on a boat? Strangest name? Other than the obvious goofy ones like Aquaholic and, yeah. you know, those. I don't know. I mean, you see so many different names, and you wonder why this was, boat was named like that. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you, some of the big boats are incredible, and you know, I, I love like Athena. A lot of Greek names. Yeah, yeah a lot of Greek names, yeah. and, and you know, for different reasons. But I heard of one really big yacht, and um, when. I looked at it a little bit closer, and I, guess, I think it was online. I looked it up online just to make sure, you know, to see what the parameters were, mm. whether she was going to be okay where she was going and what dock she was going into. And uh, it, it even said, you know, that he got like a 240-foot yacht, like big, mm. big, named after the guy's dog. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I think things like that kind of cracked me up. It's like, ah, cool. I, I bet probably that dog walks own. onto that yacht with a sense of entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny, you know. All right. Well, to wrap up, what did as we approach the Fourth of July? I don't know if I'll get this edited out for then, but what advice would you give somebody coming, whether they've been here a hundred times or their first time? What advice would you give them before they even round the uh, bell number three? Uh, have a place to stay. Really? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just things are getting popular, and and you know the marinas are full this year. It looks like, and you know all the with this use it or lose it policy on the moorings, mm. um, the, it seems like to me anyway that there's all the boat, the correct boats are supposed to be where they are. Yeah, well, not all of them, but no. they don't have that. Um, grab somebody's mooring, I should say. And uh, they're uh, they're not near me yet. Uh, the three moorings near me are still empty. Yeah. But yeah. The um, did you expect that whole all those changes to the ordinance to take the path that it took, be, go as long as it did? Because when I went to that first meeting, the sort of impression I got was, this is it, this is the deal, and we'll listen to your comments afterward, but these are the changes. And I kind of sat there and thought, I don't think so. I think 
and then when I heard it had to go to the city council, I said, oh boy, this thing's going to get cut to a million pieces. Is that your experience? Um, my ex expectations of that? <laughs> um, yeah, I was kind of thrown off a little bit. Um, I think the same way you were. I mean, I'm not surprised, but I was like, okay, we had the first couple of meetings about it, public mm. public meetings, and no one came. Oh, really? Yeah, and it was like this is so that first one really at the strange. library wasn't the first public meeting. No, no, there were there were there were two or three before that, and then it was in Waterfront Commission for prior like to two that. years. Really, they were talking about the changes and and not to the final form, obviously, because mm. the final form was a lot different than what was talked about earlier. Um, but it definitely, uh, I was definitely. Like wow, in a good way. Yeah, you know, so, because you want the you want people to comment on it. Right. It just got, you know. I think they did a pretty good job about. Yeah, um, I think the end product it 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 does what it says on the tin, so to speak. You know, yeah. it it. Yeah, it's just uh, it's interesting because it's it's created a whole new layer of. Hmm. Uh, work for the for the department, right? I mean, and, and all the tracking of this stuff to be accurate is a uh, is a pretty big effort. So there's yeah, once so you've got to make the observation out on the water, collect that data, and then process it back in your yeah. office. Yeah, and to be to be accurate is hmm. you know to be accusatory is easy. Yeah, to be accurate in your data, if you're going to take somebody's mooring permit away, you better be right. Right. You know, yeah. I, mean, it, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I think we got through the whole property right thing. And, and then I mm. think everybody kind of understands that it's not a property right. Anymore. Right. However, people still value having that mooring. And yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of background things going on to make sure that if we get, if you get a letter from us saying that, yeah. you know, we're about to, for, you're about to forfeit your mooring, you pretty much guarantee I've got the paperwork behind it or the data behind it. Right. We had one customer who's been in a lot and I thought was nice because he was spending money, which is nice. But he said, these new mooring regulations are costing me money. I said, well, how's that? He said, well, my dinghy's only eight feet, so I've got to put the 23-foot sailboat in the water. And I wasn't planning on this. I said, well, how long has it been out of the water? And it had been out for years. And I said, well, now you're going to use your mooring. That's that's the intent of these changes, or or you or you give it up so somebody else who's pining for one can have it. So yeah, yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk. Oh, we could sit here and tell sea stories all day. Yeah, um, yeah. But. Definitely could. Thank you for listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.